Welcome to Exceptional Education, the education podcast hosted by ANZ UK. Today we're going to talk to an educator called Nicole, who is from an Australian trained teacher who made the move over to London and has transitioned into a new role working in an SEN school. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, Angus. Thanks for having me. Thank, thanks for joining us. Um, before we get into it, I just wanted to put a little uh, disclaimer out that um, we, we're, going, we're going to talk about your experience today, Nicole, working in an SEN school or an SE, SEMH school. Um, we want to just make it clear that, you know, um, this is this is sort of your, your experience you've had so far. A lot of the schools, we most of the schools that ANZ UK does work with, uh, mostly categorised as mainstream schools. Every school is going to be different, um, including SEN schools. Um, but this is this is your your experience. So thanks for for joining us to to share to share your story. Not a problem. Another another disclaimer is also the the names of, of conditions we we use to describe the learning difficulties. They are constantly changing. So if we do make a mistake along the way, we do we do apologise. Um, but you know, some some names are constantly changing, so it's it's hard to keep up to date. But uh, we if we do make any mistakes, please do feel free to let us know. <laughs> we should certainly be on top of them. So um, first of all, Nicole, can you tell us about your story and how you sort of came over here? Because you were a quali- qualified teacher from Australia and, and you made the way, way over here um, and to gain some experience in the UK. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think I was counting the other day how many years I've been teaching. And I think this is now coming into my six. So I did about three years in Australia. So I taught at the one school um, it was, I would say, a kind of a low socioeconomic um, to medium school. So I did get quite a lot of experience with classroom management, which I think was really good because that prepared me for the UK. Um, so I worked there, but I got some advice when I was in Australia that um, my principal at the time said, you should always, when you're young and a teacher, it's really beneficial if you change your um, environment from time to time. So those words really resonated with me and I was thinking what to kind of do next. Um, And I thought the UK would be a great opportunity because I've heard a lot of teachers say good things about the experience they get in the UK schools. Uh, So I was looking for an agency, found ANZ UK from a friend, which was great. So they got me all sorted uh, and I started off doing supply work, so relief work which I think was a great opportunity just to get into the schools and see what it was all about. And I've done a few long-term um, roles in food technology. I've done a long-term role in science teaching. And then I thought 2020 would be the year to travel, do a bit of supply and travel, and then COVID came. So plans were kind of knocked out of um, that. But then uh, Angus called me one day and offered me a role at this SEMH school and it was part-time first, so I thought it would be a really good opportunity to get back into teaching Um, and it was food tech, which is my major. And from there, it's turned into a full-time role, which has been really great and I'm enjoying it so far. (laughs) Perfect. You're um, a classic example of um, one of the more flexible educators we've got. You've got food tech, science, um, PE. Um, oh, yeah. Any, any others we're missing there as well? Um, I think I've taught most subjects while being yeah. here, but yeah. not qualified PE, but I can do uh. it <laughs> just for a day. 
<laughs> you've got the, you've got the whistle and you're ready to go. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure the the head teacher from Australia was um, uh, regretting that decision to tell you to um, to expose yourself to different environments. Does that mean is that the reason why you left the school that you were <laughs> you were in to come over here? Um, yes. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> anything to do with the school or Australia or anything. It was just I wanted a bit of a change, yeah. and I thought there was no better time to do that yep. than before I turned thirty. Yeah, I'm sure he was happy for you, but um, also devastated to lose you as well. Yeah, no, he was very <laughs> understanding, which was good. Yeah, okay, cool. So now now you're working, um, like you said, in an SEMH school, um, yeah. supporting, school uh, supporting boys aged 11 to 16 years old with social, emotional, mental health needs as well. So um, can you just touch on sort of what that, means because um i think the school that you that you work at do refer to as a special school but technically you know it, it is labeled as um semh um yeah. can you just touch on what the sort of learning difficulties are the common learning difficulties that you sort of come across in day-to-day -day, um your day-to-day -day sort of you know running of other your classes yeah so um the learning difficulties range from autism spectrum condition to oppositional defiant disorder, to ADHD. Um, it could also just be students who aren't benefiting from mainstream learning. So it could be to, uh, due to their behaviour. Um, it could be lack of support that's offered to them in their schools and they need more support than the school can give. Um, it could be that in mainstream setting, they're in large class sizes and they need more of that one-on-one -on -one support or the smaller class size. Um, so it ranges from students with um, quite high needs to students who just aren't getting what they need out of a mainstream education and who need that extra support from us. So it's kind of a mixed bag um, of students. So it's not all one size fits all at the school. Uh, there's a lot of different learning difficulties, a lot of different students' needs. Um, so it has been quite different than teaching in a mainstream school. Yeah. I think um, I, I saw you biting your tongue for a second, nearly about to say AS, ASD, maybe. That's one of the yeah. examples of, of, of um, terminology that's changed over the years. Autism spectrum condition is what it's known now, just in case um, any listeners aren't, aren't aware. That's what we're referring yeah. to um, over here. Um, ASD. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> so, okay. And um, quite a big change compared to you know what maybe you were used to working in in mainstream schools how have you sort of managed that sort of change and and how has that sort of changed the way you sort of prepare for for lessons now going from teaching in such a different learning environment yeah um so i think at the at the start of my first couple of weeks i found it quite challenging because um techniques i was using in mainstream classes just weren't use work weren't working with um, students who I was teaching. Um, I think at this school, it's all about building relationships with the students. So um, you kind of need to build that relationship with every single one of your students. Otherwise, um, you're going to kind of lose that connection with them. Um, but the differences within the school, uh, they're shorter lessons. So our lessons run for 45 minutes. Um, usually, I'm used to about an hour. So being in food technology, if, we, if I've only got a 45-minute lesson, that is quite hectic, but um, mostly I've got doubles. Once um, you add in the cleaning, the clean-up time at the end yes, as well. Yes, yeah. and sometimes it's very hard to get students to clean, but we're getting there. Um, yep. We've got Boys a... Well, maybe. <laughs> yes, 
We've got a teaching assistant um, who follows around each tutor group. So um, like, for example, in year nine, there's two tutor groups and each of those tutor groups have their teacher assistant and their tutor. So their teacher assistant follows them to each class, spends each lesson with them to support the teacher and to support the students. So that's also a big change. There's also uh, there's two people in the room at all time, which is really good. Um, Staff. They, they know they've got really strong relationships, I imagine. Those, do you call them teaching assistants, teaching partners? Yeah, teaching assistants, teaching yep. partners, education assistants. Um, yeah, they've got excellent relationships with the students. Just an example, my teaching assistant has been absent the past couple of days and you can just see the difference in the students not having their support. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they're an amazing help and they know the students really well. They help with keeping in contact with the parents at home and um, they report back to the tutor what's going on and you kind of work as a team to um, help those students throughout their day. Yep. And you've got much, much smaller classes as well, don't you? Yes. So yep. some of my classes range from one student, which, <laughs> is, <laughs> which is quite nice. And uh, it ranges from about usually not, it's not always one, but uh, my normal classes usually have about six to eight students in there. So it's a lot more smaller class so we can offer them more support. And it's amazing to see from going from mainstream to an SEMH school, um, just knowing if I was in mainstream with these students, they probably wouldn't be getting the success that they're getting from having so much support in this school. Um, it's amazing just sitting there and watching them learning, getting all the work down, um, succeeding when I know in a mainstream school that might not be possible just because they don't have enough support. Yeah, well, I mean, from my teaching experience as well, it's just if you've got 20, 25 to 30 students in front of you, yeah. um, you know, time is one of your biggest limiting factors, isn't it, to, to get to yeah. each and every one of those students. And there's obviously, you know, one of the downsides of, of mainstream education is that, you know, you're not going to be able to get to all of them all the time. And sometimes some do, some do slip through the cracks, um, those hidden students, but you know, having those smaller class sizes is huge, isn't it? For yeah, um, yeah, for it's such a students benefit with to the learning student. difficulties, much more one-on-one -on -one time, particularly in that that um, that class size of, of one student of yours as well. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Plenty, it's of, great. plenty of one-to-one -one time there. Yeah, we just cook. It's lovely. Um, yeah. We just cook together. It's really fun. So it also offers that student a bit of time as well. It's not that's not usually the case, but he's got yeah. a bit of time to kind of relax and not he doesn't have to interact with anyone he's just got himself in the classroom which is kind of a nice time for him to just relax and get on with work and cook yeah you don't distract him in class do you um <laughs> yeah I probably ask him too many questions but <laughs> yeah okay um and um now you've like for, for these students that maybe in your in your bigger classes but um having sort of varying learning difficulties um we wanted to just touch just just mention that that most of these most of these uh you know students that you work with will have an educational health care plan won't they or what's yeah. known as um an ehcp over here so just for for those listeners who, who aren't aware in the uk um students who are diagnosed with a learning difficulty um throughout their schooling which will be a decision that's made through through the local uh, 
communication with the school and the local authority, they'll get given an EHCP, which is basically a, a, a um, personalised learning plan for that student, which um, caters to that specific student's needs and outlines some strategies that you can use to, to most effectively support that student within class as well. So I imagine most of the students um, uh, that you work with, Nicole, um, have one of those. But can you can you touch on maybe some of the just general strategies that you that you would use that might be a little bit different to sort of just keep keep them engaged? Yeah, um, I think uh, with some of the students, they they if you start like a topic with them, they don't really react well to the normal well some normal mainstream aspects of just writing or just answering questions, they really respond well to like using a range of teaching strategies or chunking your lessons. So um, every 15 minutes you're doing something different or a different activity. Um, they really like knowing like clear instructions. So the instructions are clear and concise. I usually have them on the board or um, there's also a lot of one-on-one -on -one learning with either me or the teaching assistant. Um, just helping them along the way. A lot of visuals, a lot of practical elements like inquiry-based learning. Um, so there are a few strategies we'll be, we'll be using. Yeah, and you've got a, um, a big focus at your particular school. There's a big focus in the design technology department, um, which sort of, like they, they do have a, I guess, um, uh, a bit more flexibility, I suppose, to, to alter the curriculum um, to, to cater to those students' needs as well. So your particular school has a bit of a more focus in design and technology, which is great for you as a as a food tech teacher. Yes. Um, so and that that's probably I, I assume a, a way to, to keep them engaged through yeah. you know, um, more hands-on type type learning rather than you know um, chalk and talk as you might call it, or um, yeah, <laughs> more sort of um, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. More, more of the sort of standard uh, mainstream subjects. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot of, um, I try and if I can teach a theory, like a theoretical based um, concept within a practical lesson, I'll do that instead of doing it in a theory lesson with the students. So if we're learning something about food science, we would do like an experiment in the cooking room rather than just me presenting like a PowerPoint and them taking notes. Um, so I think hands-on really works well for them. Yep. Yeah, perfect. And um, I'm putting you on the spot because we haven't um, we haven't spoke spoken about this before. But do yeah. you do you use any like in terms of communication difficulties that some students might have? Like, do you um, are you familiar with Makaton or like have you do you use Makaton or are there some some students that use that as a way to to help communicate? Um, for those for those listening, you know, at home, Makaton is a way of communicating with with students who who struggle to 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 use to use language to communicate effectively and using symbols and signs. It's not quite the same as um, British Sign Language. It's it's a little bit slightly more adapted and a yeah. little bit maybe easier to pick up. Have you got any of that sort of in yeah. place to support students? Um, well, we have our speech and language therapist um, who's available to the students. Yep. So um, she's doing most of the work with them. So the good thing about the school is it does have the extra support that these students need. So we have um, a speech and language therapist that most of the students see or she will do um, lessons with those students. Um, and we have different like counsellors, et cetera, who are in the school, which can support them as well. 
Yeah. Um, and she works with us. So we do like a lot of PDs on um, she'll work with us and how we can implement some of her strategies within our lesson, um, which helps as well. So yeah. she's um, excellent with yeah. that. Okay, cool. Well, just just on that as well, we um we've actually had some Makaton training as well that we did as an office um not not too long ago that was that was quite engaging and and fun. We we actually do have a, a um partnership with the Makaton charity as well. So with that, we have access to a few resources. If anyone is interested to to get, please get in touch. We'd be um happy to sort of pass them on to you. Um and just sort of moving on, the next bit I wanted to just pick your brain about as well. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes you know. A, as well as my experience with education as well, students with learning difficulties can find it harder to engage in class can because if they're struggling to cope with the the demands of, of, of what you're asking of them, sometimes that can lead them to muck around a little bit more and can learn to some, yeah. some difficult um, behaviour for you to, to sort of manage as an educator. Are you able to sort of comment on what your sort of spirit experience has been so far and whether that's different or significantly different to what you what you've been used to in previous um previous jobs yeah um well the school's really big on having like a positive behavior management so um our head teacher was telling us the other day the the students if you keep telling them negatives they're going to focus on those negatives i think every five negatives is one positive or something like that um i don't know exactly on those figures Um, that's (laughs) done yes (laughs) But um, yeah, just making sure you're being really positive with the students you're picking up, even if it's like a small thing. Um, for example, the student didn't rip up their work or they didn't destroy their textbook, letting them know at the end of the lesson, that was really good today that you didn't do that. Well done. Um, so it's just picking up on these behaviours that you wouldn't think you necessarily have to pick up with a mainstream student um, and just talking in that positive language to them, um, letting them know how well they're doing. We have like a merit system, so they get merits per lesson, um, if they're doing well. And those merits actually, um, turn into monetary value through like Amazon vouchers that gets the boys involved, um, really well. Um, I think as well with students, it's kind of checking, I've kind of learned from being in this school that every behaviour, there's always something behind it. So it's either the students um, had something that's happened at lunch, there's something happening at home, there's something they might not understand understand that you're teaching them. Um, So it's always checking with them why they're behaving with it, asking them questions and seeing if there's anything wrong rather than just going straight to you're not doing the right thing, Um, here's your consequence. It's thinking, oh, what what's actually up like has anything yeah. happened at lunch um identifying the cause yeah do you yep. need like um five minutes out of class with the learning assistant um do you want to talk to one of the mentors so it's kind of finding those causes before yeah. jumping to conclusions now you've had um some training um around uh de-escalation techniques as well and positive behavior management haven't you nicole yes yeah so we've had um training in MAPA. So one of the key focuses from that is um, de-escalation. So picking up those signals or cues from students before something does get to the next stage. Um, So it could be just picking up on a behaviour from a particular student in your classroom and realising maybe that student needs a five-minute break. Um, Maybe that student might need to be distracted with something else or picking up those cues um, you and your TA would pick up on them before anything happens really. 
um, which has been a great help and a good learning curve for me, especially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah perfect. And for those um, uh, listening at home, MAPA is, stands for Management of Actual or Potential Aggression as well. So all about um, de-escalation de techniques that um, teachers can use um, to stop, um, you know, behaviour or difficult behaviour escalating um, and through that from positive behaviour management techniques as well. So, um, cool. Well, um, I imagine that there, there would be some students um, that, are, that are on behaviour support plans where, where you are as well and, and, mm -hmm. and any sort of effective school that potentially has has some more, more challenging behaviour may have a behaviour support plan in place for some particular students. Um, you don't necessarily need to, to go in this unless you've got any, any sort of examples that you'd like to share. Um, no, yeah. Most schools I've taught at in the UK um, are quite, I've noticed they have very stringent behaviour plans. Um, I think with this school, because every student's different, we have those individual behaviour plans and then a general behaviour plan um, because obviously not one size is going to fit all for all of our students. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like that part where you said before about like listening to the student when you're identifying what the causes are and, you know, getting to know your students more and what, what their triggers might be as well. That's always going to go a long way in, in sort of minimising any difficult behaviour you might have to encounter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah cool. Oh, thanks for that. Um, and just to sort of finish off as well, like we would love to sort of hear what your sort of favourite part of the day is and what the, what the, or the, what the most enjoyable part of working um, in an SEMH school is um, and as well as any, any advice to educators who are, who are looking to, to sort of, you know, take the leap into an SEN or SEMH school. Yeah. Um, can I say the free lunch I received? <laughs> the free cooked meal. Um, can we choose another one? <laughs> yeah, that is a positive. But um, I think it's with these students, it's, uh, when you can see that they're getting positive results from their learning, like I was talking before, um, these students might not have success in a mainstream school, but because they're in our school, they're offered more support, they are getting that success, which is really nice to see. Um, I think it's when they feel proud of what they're achieving, proud of their work, and they go home. Um, if you might call their parent and let them know they've done well, their parent might all already know they've done well on that lesson. So you can tell that they're talking at home and they actually feel proud about it, um, even though they might not want to show you all the time. Yeah. Do you find it more rewarding, like in, in some ways or a lot of ways, like compared to working in a, in a mainstream setting or do you, do you find it equally sort of between the two? Um, oh, I've never really thought of that, to be honest, Angus. Um, yeah, I think some days you go home and you do feel really good about your day or really good about your week. Um, I think in learning though, uh, I find all learning rewarding. So yeah. <laughs> when you see a good aspect of learning, I think that would be rewarding. So maybe equal, but maybe a little bit more. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and tips for anyone wanting to sort of, you know, give it a go um, working in SEN schools or SEMH yeah. schools? Um, my main tip would be the in our school, it's very different to mainstream in terms of how you work together. Um, so I noticed when I've taught in mainstreams, kind of departments keep together or you might, uh, certain teachers might keep within their classes and not um, support in other areas. That's just the way mainstream schools have been set up. Um, but I found teaching in SEMH school, everyone's super supportive. So I think it's not 
um, if you haven't had the best first week, because it is really different, um, remembering that you can ask your um, peers for advice and support because they'll always offer it. And also making sure that you're supporting the students and supporting the teachers as well. Uh, I think another really important thing is to go straight in with these students. They want to know about you. They want to know why you're there. They want you to ask them questions. They want you to be part of the school. So making sure you're seen. So for example, at lunchtime, going out and chatting to them outside, uh, really put in that time and that effort for the first couple of weeks of getting to know them and making sure they know that you're actually there because you care about them and you want to help them. Yeah, that's really good advice. Thanks for that, Thanks for that Nicole. Thanks for, for joining us as well. Um, appreciate you taking the time. I know you're probably knackered after a day of day of teaching and looking yeah. forward to putting the feet up. You must have. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining at such short short notice as well Not to help problem. out with this one. You've shared some really valuable insights to, to any educator who's looking to sort of get some more experience um, working in special needs. Um, if anyone does want to reach out to find out some more information, they can get in touch with UK at ANZUK. Education. Um, we've got plenty of information that we can share, whether you're a teacher or a teaching assistant looking to work with students with special needs. Um, as mentioned, we do have an association with the Makaton charity, so we can share resources um, and any additional information there. And we do have our LMS, which is has a huge amount of resources available for your professional development, including resources on SEMH, working in SEND, personal and intimate care in the classroom, information on PRUES, introduction to SEN schools and teaching phonics as well. So, um, yeah, feel free to get in touch if you want any more information there. So, otherwise, thanks so much, Nicole, and hope you enjoy the rest of this week. Thanks, Angus. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Bye. See ya.